0: It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com, top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome into Season 2, Episode 1 of On the Clock. I am your host, Brett Whitefield. For those not familiar with the show, this is an NFL draft show. We cover all things NFL draft. This is season two, and while we're going through the the grind of the NFL season and the college season, we're going to be looking at both my favorite rookies for this year, so last year's draft class, or I guess this year's draft class technically, while also looking ahead at next year's draft class, the 24 class, all season long. we'll We'll be doing this about once a week until we get to the end of the NFL season, and then sometime... Uh, around where the combine is senior bowl combine Um, we will go to a daily format five times a week where we're breaking down all those prospects but for now we're just gonna have a little bit of fun with it Um, this is a short form podcast we're looking to do 15 to 25 minutes every time we're on Uh, thank you so much for listening I know uh, the the reception last season was great we had a bunch of insane guests lined up every single day for you we're gonna do a lot of the same through this whole season I'm gonna be getting some guests on I know we got Joe Marino already booked out, not for next week's show, but the week after. I'm looking to get another high-quality guest for next week. Um, but today, it is me, Solo Dolo, in Season 2, Episode 1 of the podcast. Um, I'm kind of on an emotional high right now because of that Lions game last night. Obviously, if you've listened to either of my podcast for any length of time, you know that I am a Lions fan. I've grown up in the Metro Detroit area. Football is big here. And the Lions have pretty much stunk my entire life. And last night, they did something I've never seen them do, and that was go into Arrowhead Stadium and win a big game, especially when some things weren't going their way. Um, I know there was a lot of talk about the Jawan Taylor false start and or I should say false starts that weren't called and him lining up wrong, quote-unquote wrong every snap. Um, A Lions team in the past would have let that bug them. They would have complained and moaned about it, and they would have mentally broken Last night was different. Uh, I Huge props to Dan Campbell. He's talked about mental toughness since he's been the coach of the Lions, and that is something he's building for sure. Um, sometimes you're not always the most talented team on the field, but that's not always all that matters. Last night I think was proof of that because I do think the Kansas City Chiefs have a little bit better football team than, De- than the Detroit Lions, even down Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. So it was good to see the Lions step up and get it done. That said – I told you we're going to be looking at some of my favorite rookies and draft classes from this past season. Well, the Lions have one of them, um, and they pretty much carried them through that whole game last night. So let's talk about that. Uh, when you look at that Lions draft class, they got absolutely obliterated and scrutinized for taking a running back and a linebacker in the first round. I was one of them. Um, I, we did the, the draft stream i had almost a a live breakdown on air um i was furious i was throwing things um i even had shot off some emotional tweets it's never good to do that by the way um even if you think you're you're wording it awesome and it sounds amazing it's never good to to tweet emotionally um i learned the hard way as i was getting dragged all last night and this morning for some of my my tweets that i i won't delete tweets so It is what it is. Anyways, I I was insanely critical of them taking Jameer Gibbs at 12 and Jack Campbell at 18 with the lone caveat of I really like both those guys. If you go look at the uh, the NFL draft prospect guide that we put out uh, written by myself, uh, glowing reviews for both of them. Gibbs was a top 20 player for me in the class. Campbell was my number one off ball linebacker in the class. So you're probably thinking, well, hey, why, you know, why did you kill them for picking those guys? Well, it's just a positional value thing for me. Um, I'm, you know, with an analytics background, I'm a firm believer in positional value. And for them to get any type of surplus value out of Gibbs and Campbell, those guys would have to be top five players at their position for their rookie contracts. Um, And then if they hit, they're going to be, you know, setting market level deals on positions that don't really move the needle. Ugh, okay. After reviewing after watching the game last night has my mind changed a little bit? Yeah, maybe a little bit. And it, you know, that might be the the bias or the emotion talking, but when you see what Gibbs is capable of in the passing game, when you see what Jack Campbell is capable of in coverage, which by the way, he had reps last night in coverage that we did not get in four year or three years of Iowa college tape. Just putting that out there. Had I seen those reps, maybe my opinion would have been a little bit different of Jack Campbell. Um, and we'll get to some of those plays in a second. But um, when you look at this Detroit Lions rookie class, I mean, those four top picks, so it wasn't just Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, it was also Brian Branch and, and Sam Laporta. Branch, a defensive back from Alabama, Sam Laporta, the tight end from Iowa. All four of those guys made massive contributions at key moments and that that's the thing that really really was good to see it wasn't just nice stat lines it was hey when the pressure's on when we need a big play it was those four guys coming up with the big plays it, it's it's pretty remarkable actually when you look at Jameer Gibbs and I know people are freaking out because uh, the the snap share didn't favor Gibbs too much um, it was Montgomery and I, I really think people got to be patient with that uh Steve Spagnolo is a dangerous defensive coordinator to, to match up against to call plays against and the way he wanted to call that game was hey we're going to try to dictate terms here we're going to put nine guys in the line of scrimmage most plays not every play most plays and we're going to force you to make a decision on your pass protection plan the lines were forced with that decision and they chose to go with David Montgomery as a pass protector for most of their passing snaps and I I totally get it um jameer gibbs first game in the league you don't want to put him in a in a you know too much of a high pressure spot and montgomery's phenomenal in pass pro he had the one play where nick bolton kind of bull rushed right through him and knocked him on his ass well you know that happens but for the most part he was pretty good in pass pro um he didn't have any blown assignments that's that's a big deal he got a piece of just about everybody um you know he's picking up the right guy the communication on the line for the lions was phenomenal last night Montgomery was a huge part of that and that pass protection plan and keeping Goff clean. Goff only got sacked one time. There was only one sack the whole game. You know, I, so I I think people got to be patient with Gibbs. He's going to get more playing time. They don't play Steve Spagnolo every week. Um, If they were to go with Gibbs in those situations where they're, where they're showing blitz and line in nine guys in the line of scrimmage, you're, you're basically turning yourself into a check down offense. And I know you fantasy players are like, well, yeah, please do that. You know, let's let's get those checkdowns to Gibbs. But what happens is if you're if you're leaving five guys in protection for six rushers or those exotic blitz looks, where sometimes they're only sending four, but you just don't know where, what four are coming. Um, it's nice to have a Montgomery back there to pick up the free rusher, um, but if you don't, then you're you're left with. Goff getting unblocked pressure and he's got to check it down to Gibbs. Now, I'm sure Gibbs could have made some plays in those scenarios, but I ultimately I trust the, the Lions coaching staff there and um the route they decided to go. Maybe a, a blend would have been a better option than just going straight Montgomery the whole game. But either way, when you watch what Gibbs did do in the in the opportunities he got, it was pretty amazing. I think he I think he accounted for four first downs himself, despite only touching the ball nine times. Um he had a couple key receptions that moved the chains. He had a really nice long run to the left side of the formation. I think it was outside zone um, where he hit the double spin move and then and then finished that run with a boom. Uh, and I believe Brian Cook set him down nicely. Um, phenomenal. And then the, the play that really stuck out was that go-ahead drive. Um, they ran a pin-pull concept to the right. Jameer Gibbs breaks off a long run. The longest run of the day for him, I believe, it was 15, 16 yards. Uh, made several guys miss, and it was – I mean, it was crucial that that drive. They needed that drive to go ahead. Um, he moved the chains and got a nice chunk play for them there. So uh, really impressive stuff from him. Then you look at Jack Campbell, the 18th overall pick the linebacker from Iowa. Um, on paper, this guy was a complete package, right? Tested like a freak athlete, um, wasn't used as a blitzer a lot of Iowa. But when he you know, when they did use him, he was kind of a seek and destroy missile Uh it, in theory, he had the movement skills to be good in coverage. We just didn't see the tape of him really excelling at that. But last night, he changed my mind. He had one of the cleanest reps, of like a cover-two buck linebacker I've seen in the league. I'm talking vintage, like prime uh, Bobby Wagner-type stuff, Fred Warner-type stuff those guys are doing. And ironically, I killed them when they made the pick because I said, I don't think Campbell's ever going to be one of those guys. Well, he looked like one of those guys last night. That uh, it was a third down play in the second half. Um, he basically it, Lions, you know, played a, a cover two shell. Um, I believe it had a little safety rotation on the backside of the play as well. So um, they weren't showing. I think they were showing single high. They end up in two high cover two. Um, Campbell is that a buck defender basically running the middle of the field deep, and he gets a little matched up with Kadarius Tony flips his hips beautifully, drives, explodes, makes a play on the ball to break up the pass, force third down. I know Tony didn't have his best day in the world, but that that had nothing to do with him. That was all Jack Campbell just making a play. Um, that was beautiful stuff. That was teach tape um to you young linebackers out there. That was teach tape. Really really good stuff there. And I know, you know, he had a, he had a couple plays where he got caught. There was a there's a play action pass to the right side of the field where he he bit hard on the play action and it it uh, left his man. Uh, actually, it was Kadarius Tony again, and Kadarius just happened to drop it. That was not a, a good looking coverage rep from Jack Campbell. He kind of stuck on the run a little too hard. Again, I don't know their. Co- I don't know the coaching points they're getting there, so I can't necessarily say for sure. Um, he's he's hanging to the run too long, but it just appeared that way with the timing of everything else that happened in front of him. So, um, but yeah, Jack Campbell looked phenomenal. If he plays like that all season, I, I'll definitely be eating a lot of crow come year's end. Sam Laporta, the tight end from Iowa. F- teammate of Ch- Jack Campbell in college. And again, teammate here in the pros. This guy was amazing. I know the stat lines, you know, pretty meh. Five, I think five catches, 39 yards. But he had a couple really, really important chain movers. But more importantly, guys, he was phenomenal in the run game. I think he had a better game uh, run blocking yesterday than TJ Hawkinson ever did in the, in the Lions uniform. Um, and that's saying a lot. So the the pedigree... I thought the pedigree between Hawkinson and Laporta coming out was way closer than people thought. Hawkinson should have never been a top ten pick. I said it back then, and I'm you know firmly believe that now. Same Laporta probably shouldn't have been a second round pick. So I think the the value there was probably actually really really close in the way I evaluated both those players. But Laporta looked great. He had the, go watch the David Montgomery go ahead touchdown. Same Laporta had the crucial block on that concept. Um, he was just phenomenal. And what's crazy is that they were doing it at the point of attack with him. So like I liked him in college in space a little bit. He's really athletic guy. I liked him in, you know, split zone type stuff. Um, maybe some counter stuff where he's getting out in space and having to dig out a linebacker or, or a kick out block or something like that, or even a wrap. Um, I liked him on all that stuff in college. I was unsure if he would be a strong blocker at the point of attack on outside zone or, or power or duo or anything like that. Um, and he, phew, He proved me wrong last night again. So right off the bat, you got Jack Campbell, Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, all putting things on tape last night and excelling at things I wasn't sure they would excel at in the NFL. Um, And then lastly, to put the icing on the cake, Brian Branch, another second-round pick for them, uh, defensive back out of Alabama, starting in the slot for the Lions last night. He had the, the turning play of the game, I guess. The Lions desperately needed something to happen. When the second half started, they went scoreless in the second quarter. Mahomes gets the ball early, throws a a real nice pass on a shallow to Kadarius Tony, clanks off Tony's hands and right into Brian Branch, right play or right place, right time, I guess, for Branch. And that's probably what good defensive backs do. They are in the right place at the right time. And he picked it off. And when he grabbed it, uh, there was no catching him. He actually was the fastest player on the field all night on that play. Um, and he housed it for six. And that was the turning point in the game. I thought Lions tied it up 14-14. And I felt like from that moment on, the Lions were convinced that they were they had enough to win that game. So big-time stuff from from that rookie class. If that's going to be the, you know, the, I guess the consistent theme of the season, then this team is going to be looking really good in a year, especially because last year's class also performing very well. Same with the class before that with Panay and Amon Ra last year aiden hutchinson and james houston like they're getting crucial kirby joseph they are drafting very very well and uh that's why they've turned this thing around so fast uh, real quickly too i want to hit on rashi rice kansas city this is one of my dudes pre-draft i talked about rashi on this very podcast probably more than you guys cared to hear about that's for sure I know that uh, Kansas City fans are kind of freaking out about their wide receiver room today. I'm, I think the answer is in, in the locker room already, and I think it's Rashi Rice. Uh, he looks like the best receiver on the field to me. I know he only got, what, two opportunities last night, but he looks explosive. He looks um, – he, he's very – what's the word? Uh, he's decisive, I guess. You know, that, sh- that over he caught – quickly turned that upfield and got the most out of that play that was really impressive to me so um, I think Kansas City needs to get him on the field a little bit more I think the answer's there Justin Watson, Rashi Rice, Valdez Scantling and, and Sky Moore I think is, uh, is is a decent quad of receivers there I'd probably sit down Tony wouldn't play Richie James a whole lot or Justin Ross but I think uh, Rashi could fix their issues obviously getting Travis Kelsey back will help too but anyways so, yeah, that was we're, we're one game in. We already got a lot of stuff to talk about with those rookies, but we're going to move on to the 24 quarterback class. I want to set these guys up for you. I'm not going to do a deep dive on this quarterback class right now because, well, quite frankly, there's just too many of them. Um, it's going to take multiple episodes to go through this entire quarterback class and what it could be. Now, the, the caveat here is some of these guys are juniors, juniors, um, You know, we'll talk about some of them, but they might not come out. Uh, I think Caleb Williams and Drake May are the top two. They've been for about a year now already. Um, Those guys probably will come out because I think they're they're as close to consensus top five, top ten picks as you can get right now. There's going to be some faction of of draft Twitter that says Drake May is the number one overall pick, but I think Caleb Williams is pretty much in the driver's seat to be the number one overall pick right now. I, I have some issues with this game for sure. But uh, most notably, like, there's a lot of plays on tape with Caleb where it's a uh, bad process, good result. And that's, that's me nitpicking. Like, the, the talent is so extremely off the charts there that I just think he's pretty much a lock to go number one overall. So, um, Or I should say first quarterback off the board. I guess we have no idea what will happen at the top um, or, or what the, the Cardinals, Rams, Bucks will do. But uh, what's really interesting, too, is and we'll get into some more names here in a second, but there's going to be a lot of teams that need quarterbacks next year or or in a weird, awkward purgatory where it's like they should probably address quarterback. But we just don't know if they will. Um, The obvious ones that come to mind, obviously, like Arizona. It's like, well, they're kind of tied to Kyler Murray still. And I don't know that they can get out of that anytime soon. So, yeah, they could take a quarterback one overall. They also might not because they have Kyler Murray. Um, The Minnesota Vikings are going to need to address the quarterback situation. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to need to address the quarterback situation. The Los Angeles Rams, the Las Vegas Raiders. Then you have teams like the Saints and um, even the Dolphins. Like the Dolphins have Tua. He's not under contract long term. Um, He's had some injury issues. I know this is going to be a big year for him, but where where I'm looking at it right now, it's like, well, they're they're definitely in play to take a quarterback. Now, it might not be a guy at the top of the draft necessarily, but they should be looking at some point in this draft. What you're going to find out, too, is we're going to go through about 12 names right now. This draft could be 12 names deep of, of good quarterback talent where it's like, holy cow, Like you could actually probably get a guy second second round that you're feeling good about. Um, it reminds me, there was like a few years back, probably like eight, nine years ago, there was like a stretch of like every draft class was yielding uh, second or third or fourth round pick that performed really well. We had like Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott and um, Derek Carr, like all those guys came from rounds two, three, and four, and it was like kind of pretty close together with those classes they came out. So, this class could be a class like that where they yield a couple of those second, third round types that performed pretty well. But, anyways, other names we're going to get to, and we'll go, we'll be going deep dives on all these guys through the draft. Is um, Caleb Williams, quarterback USC, Drake May, quarterback North Carolina. Bo Nix, the, the older gentleman from Oregon, You know he's been around for a while. He was a five-star recruit at Auburn, transferred to, to Oregon when the new regime at Auburn came in, and he's he's played out of his mind. He played out of his mind last year. His tape last year was so much better than anything we saw at Auburn. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, you always like to see guys improve. Um, but that leap was pretty gigantic. I, I'm excited to see if he maintains that level player play or even gets better this year. Um, if so, like there's going to be a lot of teams that like him. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's, he's a really good runner as well. Um, Michael Penix Jr., another old guy formerly of Indiana. Uh, he's, a, he's a fifth- or sixth-year guy in Washington now. Um, he has a ton of raw ability. He's a really good runner. He has a cannon for an arm. But kind of like Hendon Hooker last year, um, he's got some injury concerns. He's got some system concerns. He's got some age concerns. So like there's there's gonna be some talk about Pennix Jr and what he brings the, you know, what his actual ceiling is or what that developmental curve should be. How much runway does a guy like that need? And he's already older, so that's gonna be tough. We'll be talking a lot about that I'm sure come come spring here. but Pennix Jr. he's he's a fascinating prospect because the arm talent's crazy and his mechanics are so bad. Um, his, his lower half and upper half are completely disjointed. He's super heel clicky. Um, but yet he generates a ton of velocity, a ton of sh- uh, strength on that arm, um, with his kind of weird, he, it's a really weird throwing motion. I, I won't be able to do its justice describing it to you, but it's kind of like a Philip Rivers shot put, except his lower half is disjointed from his upper half. So Philip Rivers at least had really good footwork, like phenomenal footwork everything else was tight except for that kind of shot put motion. Pennix has the shot put motion and then everything else is not tight. So yet the ball goes very fast, very far. So, I don't know. Uh, Michigan quarterback JJ McCarthy, this is a guy who's been since he came out of high school has been billed as a Mahomesian level talent. You know, he's got that escapability in the pocket. He can even you can even do a little quarterback run game with him. Got a cannon for an arm. The consistency was not there all last year, and some of that is Jim Harbaugh. Like the the heavy run scheme, just it's not good for a guy like JJ who who kind of needs to get in rhythm early in a game. Um, I think last week in his first game, albeit against lower competition, JJ looked awesome. Maybe the best game he played, top to bottom of his career so far. Um, I know he had that corner that sail route touchdown. He threw between two coverage defenders. Might be his best throw of his career so far. Um, big fan of what i saw last week on tape if he does that all season long we'll be talking about him as a top 15 pick for sure Shadur sanders colorado uh quarterback threw for 500 yards and four scores last week Dion's son um this is a guy who phew, i mean again if he's if he does that all season long we'll be talking about him the tape actually was really clean i know he got a lot of uh Get a couple of big yak plays that really help that stat line pop, but when you're throwing for 500 yards, right, you're going to get some you get some luck involved there for sure. So, Riley Leonard, Duke quarterback, I kind of I need to watch more tape on him so far. What I've dove into, I haven't been super impressed. I don't think he's bad, but I don't think he's a dude. I don't think he's a guy you're going to talk about as a as a top of the draft type of dude. But I think maybe you know on that early early to mid day two, he could be a guy if he continues to develop little worried about that Duke scheme. Um, I kind of aching him to like a souped-up version of a Max Duggan from last year. I think he's got a more accurate arm than Duggan, um, and he's a little bit more juiced up as far as what he offers in the quarterback run game. Um, case in point, that long touchdown run he had against Clemson last week was freaking beautiful, broke multiple tackles, really good long strider, has, has legit top-end speed, um, deceptive too. So Jordan Travis, Florida State quarterback, um, this is a guy, all world talent, rocket ship arm, mobile dude, escapability in the pocket. It is not there from a processing standpoint yet. We got to see him come alive. Like the, they won, they won that game against LSU. What is that Sunday night? But it was sloppy at best. Um, he's a, I would say he's a Yolo ball extraordinaire right now, and he's got he's got to cut down on those mental errors. I think he, he knows he's a bad dude. Like he knows he's got the arm that can beat any window. He knows he's strong, and you know if he's in the grasp, he thinks he's got the he's got the juice to rip a ball. Um, he's got to get a little bit smarter with the way he's he's treating that football, or else uh, I'm going to be pretty pretty harsh on him come come evaluation season. Quinn Ewers, Texas quarterback, now he's a guy who might not come out. I think he's actually a prime transfer prospect. Um, if he doesn't put it all together this year, I could see him transferring with Archie Manning kind of coming up in Texas. The Texas fans are already calling for Archie Manning, which you know I, I wouldn't rush that, but. Quinn is a he's a talented kid and you know if he puts it all together this year he's got a really good receiving core I can see him climbing the draft board quite a bit Joe Milton Tennessee quarterback by the way we've already mentioned 10 guys and we're still going on guys I really like Joe Milton Tennessee quarterback stepping in Hendon Hooker's shoes formerly of Michigan and that's a consistent theme here there's a lot of transfers Jordan Travis was a transfer as well by the way Um, Quinn Ewers was a transfer as well by the way so a lot of transfers here this is the transfer portal is doing wonders for these quarterbacks, looking for for second life. But Milton is a he's another former five star guy who just couldn't catch on with Michigan. Um, they they ended up going with Cade McNamara. Joe transferred after that, and then McCarthy joined that. Cade had now transferred to Iowa since. But Milton's got a he's got a, a rocket arm. Um, might have the strongest arm in college football, and he's he's a good runner too. Um, we've already heavily dissected the Tennessee scheme and why it's bad projecting quarterbacks in the NFL, so we're not going to do that again right now. But we'll get there maybe uh, maybe come January, February. Um, KJ Jefferson, um, Arkansas quarterback, mobile kid. Um, I need more consistency consistency on a throw for throw basis, but the team loves him. He seems to have those leadership traits you look for in a quarterback. Uh, I I need to watch more tape, but I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with what I've seen so far. Sam Hartman, another transfer from Wake Forest now to Notre Dame. He tore it up in his first game in a Notre Dame uniform, uh, albeit against Navy. It is what it is. Uh, I don't think he's the, the best. How should I put it? Some, I think sometimes he just doesn't see it, and I'll just put it that way. And Notre Dame might be a good spot to coach that out of him, but um, you know, he's a, he was a classic Yolo ball extraordinaire at Wake Forest really forced the ball downfield a lot and when it wasn't there when he didn't see it he he got himself into some trouble but um he could bounce back this year notre dame's got a decent squad so spencer rattler south carolina quarterback also a transfer um he formerly of oklahoma he is uh (laughs) his kind of his path to where he's at right now has been weird right so like He was crowned as like a future first overall pick back at Oklahoma. Then had a complete falling out with that staff. Transferred. Then that staff left for UFC. He went to South Carolina. Took him a while to get going there, but I think he's a a fifth or sixth year senior this year, and um, he played really good football last year. So obviously a toolsy guy just kind of seems to be not the leadership traits you look for in a quarterback at the NFL level. And he's getting older, maybe he's maturing. And, um, you know, I won't be able to tell you if that ever comes out, but or comes up or if he develops those skills. The NFL has to do their due diligence on the guy like that, but all the tools are clearly there for sure. Reminds me a little bit of like Stetson Bennett, although Stetson was never a highly touted prospect, but um, what he put on tape and on the field versus what the NFL's opinion of him was really disjointed and a lot of it's because of the off-field stuff and the the personality issues there and so i just think spencer rattler's kind of living in the same territory but he's got another year to to develop and mature and prove people wrong so we'll see but if you're into quarterback play this is a really good college football season to watch by the way there's more guys that i didn't mention um i'm not going to get in any more than i already did but there's probably another handful of five guys that are like you know I would say really good college quarterbacks that have a chance to, to make a name for themselves in the draft. And these are just mostly power five guys too. There's, there's going to be, you know, group of five guys, FCS guys that inevitably play well. And we'll be talking about at some point as well. So um, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back next week, hopefully with a, with a high powered guest to talk about, some of the rookies from week one as well as we'll hit another position group and kind of preview them for you guys next week all right all right sounds good i am brett whitefield your host and i am out thanks for tuning in to this edition of the fantasy points podcast